Welcome, everybody. This is Habits of the Few. I am your host, Mo Nabolsi, and today I have a special guest, Dave Tate, the founder of Elite FTS. Dave has been involved in powerlifting for nearly 25 years. He's a, an elite lifter in three different weight classes. In addition to his wonderful platform numbers, Dave has totaled over 10,000 hours as a personal training trainer, a strength coach, and has written over 100 articles for T Nation, Powerlifting USA, Men's Health, and Men's Fitness. Dave is one of those people that is reachable and incredibly humble, and he was he was nice enough to take the time to sit down with me for an hour and a half and, and uh, do this interview. So without further ado, enjoy. How long you've been in the powerlifting game like when did you first get started and what ignited you to 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 fall in love with the sport i did my first competition in 1983 and i competed in my last competition in 2005 so what ignited it and in 83 82 is when i started training for it so i would have been 12. you know 83 my first competition i was 13. i had a very very small period of time where I dabbled in weight training just with the cement weights that an uncle bought me for Christmas. And at the time I was, uh, I guess, a troubled youth, you know, bullied youth, beat up youth. You know, it's, to me, bullied is something, it means something different to me than what it means today. So it's kind of a, it's a weird word for me to throw. I got my ass kicked every single day. So <laughs> like literally not yeah because i was a special ed kid oh okay and so you know i would have to be pulled out of classes for tutors multiple times a day and all this other stuff so just you know labeled as ld back then which was learning disabled and then it was attention deficit disorder then dyslexia i mean the number of labels just kept accumulating over the years but i think that's more because they just started making more shit up you know, where at the very beginning it was just, hey, the kid's LD, you know, or special ed, and that's where it was. And I wasn't really that physically inclined. So when I started training, I just, I loved training just with the crappy, you know, plastic weights and the basement. And my dad saw that. And, you know, alongside of all this, you know, I was, I was getting in trouble and, you know, just fighting back and stuff like that. And one of his, my dad owned a business. So it was an appliance business. He was in business for 20, 30 years. So one of his associates, friends, you know, I don't know how you really want to call it, drinking buddies, you know, <laughs> however it was, was the chief of narcotics. And he discovered that he was a member and part owner in a small powerlifting gym in town. So I was kind of thrust into that and I wanted to be. It wasn't like my dad said, here, look, I'm going to throw you in here and you're going to go train with these guys. You know, I wanted to be because, you know, I love training. And then that exposed me to, you know, what most people would call, um, you know, not really a garage gym because it was it was a storefront, but it was a dump. I mean, it was a private club. It was a key club. There's grungy. Advertising. Oh, yeah, it was dirty. I mean, it was perfect. <laughs> it's all I've ever known. You know, so it's it's really all with the exception of a few years, it's the only kind of gym I've ever trained in in my life, you know, where you expect mice and all this other stuff to kind of be a part of it. But they, they were showed me, 
you know, I, as soon as I got there, I was training for me. So it was four months later, I did my first competition, but I was instructed how to squat properly, how to bench properly, how to do all the lifts properly. And, and it, it wasn't, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, they took me under their wings because there's, there's always a pecking order. There used to be a pecking order in gyms, you know, where you kind of had to earn your stripes. So you had to load plates, you know, you had to clean the shit up. You had to, you know, the strongest guy kind of ruled and then you, you just made small talk until, <laughs> you know, you kind of earned the right to train with them. And it's, it's, it's kind of a process, you know, where, you know, as I went through my powerlifting career, you know, you either earned the right or you had to form some type of strategy because I always wanted to train with people better than I. So as I was going to college and moving and so forth, I'd find out where the best people trained. And you're not just going to go in there and say, hey, will you be my training partner? But you got to have a strategy on how you're going to work this out, <laughs> you know, to be able to see if it's going to work. It's, it's like people today, and it's, I'm trying to figure out how to write a microblog about this. People today will call me and they'll say, hey, will you be my mentor? And I'm, I'm kind of like sat back, like, really? You, I, I don't know what to think. It's like, I, I kind of respect the balls that you have to call and ask, but this kind of isn't how this works. You know, you want me to take, you know, hours of my time to be able to help you build your business. I don't even know you. You've never been a customer of my business. We've been around for 20 years. Your gym's full of our competitor shit. Oh, you know, why aren't you asking them? <laughs> you know, and it's, and I, you know, it's, and so after a while, it's a frequent thing. So after a while, it's like, you know what? It's not the person who's asking. It's like, is there somebody going around telling everybody, ask everybody to be your mentor? And like, is there's, there's like bad information going around that is being disseminated. So these people really don't even know how to seek, you know, decent advisors or mentors the way that I would have had to, or people did years ago, you know, or maybe the digital age has completely changed that as well. You, you know, it is. So forth. It is. And the yeah. entitlement issue also, I believe, has been significant because I've got younger siblings and it's just insane. And, you know, like I, I get what you're saying, the whole strategy tactic. What What would you what would you think would be the best strategy um, for someone that is that that would I guess because they have to respect your time right so instead of just blurting out hey will you be my mentor um, and I'm not saying for you specifically but maybe some other coaches that that have affluence just like you and your and, and your coaching ability what what would you I guess what would you tell somebody like hey this is kind well, of really I guess I'll use an example let's say that I wanted to find you know, essentially my business is e-commerce. Let's say I wanted to find an e-commerce mentor. Well, obviously I want to try to find, you know, three different types of people. I want to find somebody who's way better at me, at what they do. I want to find somebody at the same level and I want to find somebody that I'm better than. You know, that way you're always teaching, you're competing, and you're learning, you know. But aside from the point, you know, if I wanted to find and seek out that person better, you know, I'm going to do the research to figure out, A, are they better? You know, who are they? You know, and that, that's, technology helps that tremendously mm -hmm. because everybody's got a large digital footprint and everybody fucks up, you know. So you can find out to a certain degree pretty close to what somebody's personality is if you spend enough time, 
you know, digging around their digital footprint, if, if they have one. You know, sometimes they don't. And if they don't, then I know they're probably not a good fit for, for me, you know, for the, the way that I run the business. Once I find that, then, you know, it's, it's either strategy or luck, right? Some people just come into your life at the right time for the right reasons. And you got to be aware and not, you have to be able to be open and aware to see the opportunity. And that's where I can lead into a conversation of try to control your stress, you know, understand what you can't control and what you can't control. Because when you're too caught up in your own head all the time, you could have the greatest opportunity sit right across from you and you never know because you didn't see it. So typically that's where the best mentors come from, you know, the best clients come from and, you know, the best friends and everything else are usually right there in front of you, but you're too in your own head to see that. Um, outside of that, if it's a strategic thing, you know, I would buy from them. You know, I would create a buying history, even if it's a freaking t-shirt or, you know, whatever it is, I would start to establish some kind of buying history because anybody who's going to be asked something of their time and they own business, you know, you can probably vouch for it. You know, pretty mm -hmm. much they're going to, hey, has this person ever been a customer of ours? You know, are they on our mailing list? You know, have they supported us in any way whatsoever? Um, so <laughs> that would be the, the first thing I would do. Then I would, if I was younger, you know, it's, now I got more responsibilities. Can't, I'm not as agile as I was before, just as far as time to be able to move around. If they were speaking somewhere, I would go. You know, if I knew they were going to go to a conference and they weren't speaking, I would go. I would find places to be able to kind of bump into them and then introduce myself. And then after, it's, it, this is a long-term thing, you know, you're trying to find somebody and you're also trying to figure out who they are. Right. You know, to see, are, is it going to be a good fit? Is it not going to be a good fit? And, and do I have something to offer them? Because to me, that's the ultimate mentor relationship. You're not going to pay any, mentors aren't fucking paid. They help because they want to help you and they're going to help you. and. You know, if you can help them with something in return, then it's a really good fit. You know, it's going to be a long-term thing where, you know, ego won't be involved and it won't be like, oh, you're sucking too much of my time or, or whatnot. So anyhow, I find a way to build the relationship. And then from that, you don't even have to say, will you be my mentor? You run into an issue, you're like, man, what do you think about this? And then they tell you. And then you respect it and say, okay, look, I respect you if you agree or disagree. And if you're going to use their advice, you know, thank, they always thank them for their time anyhow. But if you're not going to use their advice and explain why, you know, because it's okay to have a difference of opinion. And most people understand that. And if they're in a profession, say if they're, if it's a, a lawyer or advertising or marketing, you know, something along that side, mm. there's all, you got to understand there's always a line. You know, where you can ask your mentor for all this kind of advice, but as soon as he's going to start going to his staff and saying, hey, look, can you do this for Dave? You, you better, you need to tell them to bill you because now they're, you know, they're, they're absorbing a financial cost outside of just their own time to be able to put press release or whatever it's going to be, you know, together for you for that situation. But that's how I go about doing it. And that essentially is exactly how I learned in the gym. You know, if it was 
a group of powerlifters that I wanted to train with and I just moved to a new town. It's like, well, where, where, where are the best powerlifters train? Well, guess what? That's the gym I'm going to join. What time do they train? Well, that's the time I'm going to go in and work out. Am I going to walk straight up to them and say, hey, look, I'm going to train with you? No, I'm just going to stay and do my shit and focus on what I need to do, which I already knew going in, you know, 99% of the people were not going to be as serious as I was. So some of it's scouting them as well. Same type of thing. You know, are these people I really want to be able to train with? Are they serious like I'm serious? And then over a period of time, you know, small talk turns into, hey, can you spot this? Can you spot that? And then it turns into you end up training with that group. But you got to put yourself in a position to be able to get into there and, and for it to be a smooth transition to where if I would have moved to a new town, walked straight into that gym and said, hey, look, I'm a competitive power lifter. Can I train with you guys? They don't know you from fucking Adam. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, this is a cop. He's going to try to bust us. You know, you don't know what the hell, <laughs> you know, it's so it's, it's that just kind of carries over into business, right. which that's where it's kind of weird to me where people are just like out of the blue. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, you know? So it's, I guess that's the answer to the question. That's how I would go about doing it. And it wouldn't just be one person. You know, when I was building the business, yeah, there were a lot of people I needed to find help from because I couldn't afford it for one thing. And I didn't know shit. So I'm reading everything I can possibly read, but there's still things that no book's ever going to tell you. And you got to build those relationships. So there's multiple channels you're trying to work at one time while understanding you still got to be able to bring something to the relationship that right. could help them as well. And because of that, I got a great group of advisors, you know, and I can go to them and I respect the hell out of them. You know, I've disagreed with them a lot of times and they respect that, but they've saved my ass so many times that, you know, I respect that. And, and I feel like you, you're, you're continually doing that because, you know, I've watched the series Fixing Dave Tate. I see that you let Dr. John Russell kind of go through and help you fix. I think it was mobility. Um, am, I, am I right? It was a lot of mobility. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm paying the price of lifting heavy for 20 years. So it's just pain. And then you and then you got into bodybuilding a little bit with uh, John Meadows. Meadows and Justin Harris. Justin Harris. You know, and Shelby Starnes. So there's there's a few. You got pretty you know, jacked for a while. Learn, yeah, it was well when I had a like, little bit of identity crisis when I retired from powerlifting. It's when it's your number one priority from '83 to 2005. You know, and when I say that, you know, I don't want it to be misconstrued because I was still getting a degree. I was still doing what I had to do to be able to have some type of career even though I had no idea what it was going to be mm -hmm. I just knew that doing nothing was probably not a good idea and I do see that happen with a lot of strength athletes now you know they put all their eggs in one basket and I'm okay with that there's still time for you to educate yourself and to set up a plan or a future to fall back on it's just you might be a little later to the starting line you know so instead of you know getting into the workforce, you know, the year after somebody graduates from college, you know, 
it may take you eight years to graduate from college and then you'll get into the workforce eight years after that but at least you're still educated to be able to do it so you don't wake up at 40 years old and realize you got a GED you know, yeah what the fuck you gonna do because you, you couldn't make a life in string sports which nobody does but when when it did come time for me to kind of hang all that up it was I didn't know how to train you know, so I've always trained with intent. I've always trained with purpose, and it was, it was like, what the hell? You know, it's, I, I didn't even want to. Like, why, why bother? You know, it just it didn't have any type of significant meaning at all. And I'm like, fuck. You know, I need to find some kind of challenge. And I did a small skint in bodybuilding when I was in college, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll try that because. You know, the mental challenge of the diet is something that I never really pushed to the extreme. And around that time, Justin kind of fell into my life as being, you know, as I said, sometimes these people just fall, you know, right in front of you. You know, you don't expect it, but it falls right at the right time. And things worked out and we had a conversation and it was like, you know, I want to, I couldn't understand how uh, a top level bodybuilder could turn pro and then put on 30 pounds of lean body mass it just it was I didn't get it because somebody could be a top level power lifter and they weren't going to just flip a switch and then in the next year put 400 more pounds on their total it just it doesn't work like that mm-hmm. you know you get to a certain point and it gets harder it doesn't get easier and I could not you know figure it out and He's like, well, let's try this carb cycling, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. I'm like, fuck it, all right, let's do it. And that was probably when I got my biggest, but I can't live, I couldn't run a business and live my life that way. You know, it's just living every two hours, you know, by a meal, you know, and I wasn't going to taunt the cooler around. And so I stayed two hours away from the kitchen and it, it, I like the look, you know, I'm not going to deny that. I like the mental challenge. But it just got to a point where my body fat got so low is that after I would eat, I could think rationally for maybe 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and then I would turn into a zombie, a zombie staring at the wall again. Oh shit! And I couldn't. Yeah, so it's like I'm good for 15 minutes every two hours. So just try to structure your work day, you know, in 15 minute blocks every two hours. But I still had to get the shit done, and. Um, that when that was over it's like fine i'm not doing that again and then you know but i was intrigued because the the i've always liked the training aspect of bodybuilding a little bit better than powerlifting really so i was intrigued with that it's more volume you know it's it's there's there's greater room for error there's more variance mm-hmm. you know where you know you can Powerlifting is very calculated and very mathematical and very regimented as far as everything you do has to have a very specific reason to do it. Anything more than that could only work against you. And in bodybuilding, there's more room for error. It's like, hey, this feels good. Let's do more sets. You know, it's it's not. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Screw up your recovery for the next training day, Um, or if you want to try something new. You know, you don't have to sit there and think, okay, what do I need to pull out to put this in? And 
you know, because of the volume and the workload and all that's really, it's, it's more sub-maximal, so it's easier to recover from than it is if it's, you know, higher on a level. So that part intrigued me. And then with John, when I moved into that realm, he was coming out training with me and he trained his ass off and I love training hard. So then I realized that this guy is actually putting a little periodization into a bodybuilding program, which I really haven't seen before. So that was intriguing. But even all that kind of lost its luster over time. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell back into my, I, I need to do some heavy shit. You know, I have to lift something heavy, even if my heavy is, you know, way lighter than what it used to be before. It still helps with joint integrity and, you know, all the other, there's benefits to it. There's negatives. I'm not going to deny that, you know, there's negatives to it, but there's positives as well. And I got to like what I'm doing. So that, that, it was just one thing kind of leading into another thing. And I don't know if I've ever really solved the identity crisis, (laughs) you know, from the training thing, but at some point in time, you know, I will, I mean, it's, I'm probably, I've been saying this for a while. I'm probably one replacement away from really understanding the consequences. And, um, you know, after two replacements, I still haven't figured it out yet. So I guess I need more, um, hip replacements. So what's that hip replacements? Yes, I've had both hips replaced and my right shoulder needs to be replaced, but I keep it off. The fact that you're still training the way that you are today is incredible. Yeah, well, it's, it's good and bad. You know, yeah. my, I have my, my doctors know what I'm doing, so there are. Um, monitoring you? Well, it's, it's monitoring. It's the. None of them are going to say it's good but it's the lesser of the evils I could do. Got it. You know, so if I'm squatting on a, on a box, that's a little bit higher than parallel uh, hip to knee angle. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely safer than me squatting lower, you know? And so it's, you know, it's all been worked through, but I mean, they all cross the border are going to say, you shouldn't be doing any of this shit. But if you are here, this is going to give you a little bit more longevity than what this will. So I did a, uh, one of your programs this was probably a couple of years ago the uh, I, I i read an article that you posted on t nation it was the uh the extended tension program that you did for four weeks mm-hmm. i cursed you every night with that program yeah, that's a motherfucker i don't even like oh. that one i'll never go back to holy that. shit i dude, i literally was in so much pain i couldn't sleep I try to like yeah, the, eat glue to me the hardest thing about that is watching <laughs> i mean back then you know that we didn't have smart watches and shit like that but the hardest thing was watching the freaking clock yeah yeah i had to move the clock all around the gym and all that kind of stuff but it it, it works but afterwards it's like you know it's so boring <laughs> and you know, it, it, it can be it can like, be like tedious yeah. to always have to yeah i get that but damn i mean so much lactic acid buildup it just hurt but it was good. Yeah. It was good. You know, I probably oh, yeah. will never do it again, but it was really good. Would yeah, you, uh, that's pretty much the consensus <laughs> of everybody that does it. <laughs> Would you, uh, so I'm doing right now, I'm doing your, um, one of your dynamic effort, maximum, uh, max effort programs. Uh, and I did something really stupid last week on your dynamic effort day for bench. 
Um, after I was done, I felt like I had a lot of juice in the tank, so I decided to be a dumbass and go do some overhead presses because I haven't I haven't done them in a while. So, oh, I feel really good. Felt strong, you know. Did a few sets. It was like, awesome. And uh, my bench day was yesterday for max effort, and I was like almost 50 pounds weaker than I had been the previous yeah. few weeks. I'm like, yep. See, that's that's why you got to follow. I was talking about exactly. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it can be done, right? Because I mean, I work with lifters out here that I train them for meets. It can be done, but it's like, okay, what's the supplemental exercise that you currently have? You know, close grip bench presses, two board press, whatever it's gonna be. It's like, okay, yeah. we need to pull those out. We need to pull out the shoulder accessory work. And then we need to put this in. Then the question becomes now, why again do you want to put these in? You know, because I think it will help my bench, but we already know the close grip and the other stuff does. So do you think this is going to help your bench more? And, you know, if they think so, then yeah, we'll give it a shot, but it's got to, something's got to come out. Right. Especially I, when you're dealing with max effort method and the dynamic effort method, they're, I don't want to say they're extreme methods. They work very well together. It's just, there's, there's a give and take. So right now I'm doing, I think it's, uh, I'm doing so two max effort days a week and then two dynamic and then in between I try to do some form of like uh, mobility stuff you know some I'll do like some strongman stuff for conditioning like just farmers walks and things like that would you add anything specifically to those three days or or would you just leave it all together and just maybe do some like walking or something what works best for me on the off days and I'm 50 and I'm beat up too, is just walking, you know, steady state. It's, I've tried to do extra workouts on those few days. And if I'm really, really, really pushing for something hard, mm. you know, like a PR on a box squat or something like that, then I will do some stuff to aid in recovery. But any other time I don't, because those, it depends why you're doing the extra days. If you're doing the extra days for conditioning, then that's a great thing you know that that's completely different than if you're doing them for recovery if you're doing it to help better recover between the four main days what happens over a period of time is your body will adapt to those recovery days and they'll no longer help you recover oh so yeah so now you run into an issue of do you need more recovery days or do you need to change your recovery modalities so it's in recovery work is just like weight training you know your body has will will adapt to whatever it is so if i don't need the recovery work i'm recovering well from session to session mm -hmm. i'm not going to do anything then if i do need it then i'll start with passive recovery you know the rpr massage yeah. or you know something like that and and that's not really because I don't have to do a whole lot. It's I know that the best recovery modalities for me are active recovery, kind of what you're talking about doing, mm. and chiropractic. So I save those. Those are like I put them in a say I put them in a treasure chest and I lock it, and then I keep it hidden away. And I only pull that out if I absolutely like nothing else works anymore, and I'm training for. Uh, to me, a PRs, I got like five in my life. You know, the PR is a big thing. And I'm training for something significant and I have to pull them out. I know they always work. So 
So I would save them until the last four or five weeks if I need it to be able to pull out because I know it will work. I'd hate to be four or five weeks out, training's going real well, then I start to get that just somebody beat me with a club feeling. Yeah. And I go to throw in, you know, the chiropractic or, you know, um, something that's, and I've already been using it. And it's like, well, shit, I guess I need to try grassing now. And I've never tried it before. And it's like, oh, shit, that didn't work. Now I'm, you know, I just blew the whole train cycle because of that. So I try to save. And while I'm not training for something significant, which is kind of like a period I'm in now, I try a lot of different recovery modalities, just kind of experimental, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one a week, two a week, and um, see how that goes. So, And I know what a hot, cold contrast shower does. It's, it's minor for me. I'm so used to it anymore. It's, it doesn't really do shit. So even pulling it out for years, it still doesn't help. But, you know, there, there are a lot of, especially if you find a practitioner, we got one here in Columbus, which is great. I mean, he does ART, RPR, chiropractic, and he's got, you know, those compression boots and grabbing yep. and, and needling. And I mean, there's so much shit that I'm like, ah, you know, let's try needling this time. <laughs> yeah, it worked, it didn't work. Or it really, I mean, my knee got a little buggered up a couple months ago in one session of that. And it was like, my knee was brand new. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this again. I'm, I'm, I'm saving this shit. This is going in the gold. <laughs> and, um, and, Cause I didn't this need it. You know, I didn't need it. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, so much of it just kind of is common sense. Right. And it, it relates again, you know, I can relate it to business. Right. So for us, we are, we, we have, we're very seasonal because we do outfit, you know, weight rooms from the university level all the way down to a home weight room. And that's say 50% of our sales. Mm-hmm. Well, that's obviously seasonal because universities budgets, gyms don't open up during, you know, Q4. Now during Q4, that's retail, you know, that's e-commerce. So my seasonality balances out because the seasonality of e-commerce sucks over the summer and picks up now. So during the summertime, when the seasonality of the e-commerce isn't that strong because people are typically outside, that's when we start playing around with different marketing schemes. You know, let's try this, let's try this, because if it's, if it, say it breaks our system, you know, that, that's another, you know, a whole nother issue with marketing is, you know, what e-commerce platform are you using and will it break it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know until you actually take it off stage and throw it up. And you're like, oh, shit, everybody just got that for free. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> easier happened? to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's happened. Oh, shit. Yeah, and <laughs> or, or actually what happens probably most of the time is you'll promote a sale and then, you know, something will fuck up the cash or fuck up the sales rules. And then the sale will go off. You know, and you don't know it until you start getting emails where people are saying, hey, look, I put this in my cart and the price goes back up. And you're like, ah, shit. You know, these are better things to know when the site traffic's down and the order volume's down right. than to do this now when the orders are really starting to come in. Because now's a problem. Because now, you know, our core customer isn't, well, it's, as we get closer to the holidays, 
our core customer aren't the ones that are purchasing it's their sisters it's their mothers it's their cousins and the last person you want to piss off in business is somebody's mom or sister yeah you don't want to do that they will forgive you if you piss them off like if you're a customer and i fuck something up with you and i piss and i make it right i you'll forgive it but if it's your mom <laughs> you might but it's <laughs> it's a lot harder process so you really got to kind of have your ducks in a row in e-commerce you know going into the holiday season because they're buying for your customers right so they you want that perfect experience yes and what happens a lot of times when you're in a niche type of market is you get asked questions like well you know how much are the band tension at the top of a chin and you're like oh my god you know what the fuck you know it depends what you weigh you know what i'm saying there's so many mm -hmm. things that go through your mind if you do this all the time but if it's a sister ordering for her brother she has no clue whatsoever you're going to get questions that are so far out of left field that seem so stupid like everybody <laughs> should know this and you can't get frustrated because they don't you know and this i just had this conversation with staff couple days ago so it's like a constant reminder every year that understand that these these customers they're not our normal customers but they actually kind of matter more than our normal customers because they're the people our normal customers love the most and we'll probably come back season after season for something else oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I gotta say, you know, I, I started out with all Rogue equipment. It wasn't until, just because back then, because I've had a garage gym for years, you know, I didn't have that big of a budget and I didn't really know any better. It wasn't until, so I've got, I've got like a lat tear, I've got crazy sciatic issues. Um, actually I actually have a lat tear on both sides. Um, and so deadlift for me had been a struggle. I hadn't been able to lift heavier than 315 pounds for who knows how long. It wasn't until about like three three years ago, maybe, maybe longer, maybe earlier, that I got your Texas deadlift bar. Holy fuck. Like, it is <laughs> such a completely different experience. I don't know what it is, but that tension just kind of goes with the momentum of your body. And so I'm able to lift heavy again. Like I just hit a 550 deadlift a week and a half ago on my deadlift day. And I, I was just like, this is incredible. And I'm not like that strong. Like I think the heaviest I've ever lifted on a deadlift was like 585 or something like that. My squat was always better, but um, I, it, it's, it's remarkable the attention to detail that you have in your products. Did you? Well, yeah, it's, well, the, I think I know where you're going with the question. It's, Go ahead, then. My target market's always been people who would place training as a top four priority in their life. So when you start looking at things that are there, you know, family, religion, work, mm -hmm. you know, training, you know, so pretty much there's, you know, to drop out of the top four or actually to be in the top four there's, there's something that's being pushed back to make it go there. Right. So every decision that I've ever made in business has kind of been with that in mind for, I know that I'm not going to be going after the, if we were to go back to the magazine days, I'm not going after the muscle and fitness market. You know, I'm going after the flex market. You know, I'm, I'm going after, I'm not going after the men's health market. You know, I'm going after the powerlifting USA market or yep. it's just anybody that, 
training is a top four priority. And when you do that, you're dealing with a level of commitment and a level of seriousness that usually isn't found in the other markets. And also there's there's hundreds, if not thousands of companies that just fight over, you know, that introductory market because it's the attrition rate so fast. You know, when you're dealing with an 18, 23 year old market, who cares if they quit every six months? There's 10 times for every one that come, you know, quits, there's 10 more coming in. You know, when you're dealing with our market, which, you know, now they've been training for eight, 10 years, you know, you're dealing with people who've been doing this for a very long time. So when it comes to product development, I want to develop products that a thousand pound deadlifter would want to use, a 900 pound deadlifter would want to use. If it's developed for them, then it's going to take care of anybody who pulls under that or a power rack, you know, for somebody that squats a grand, it's going to be fine for anybody that squats two or 300. I don't want to make the rack that's good for somebody that squats 500 because it will still take care of anybody that squats under that, you know, fuck that. You know, I want it to, you know, it has to, it has to go all the way up or I don't want to deal with it. Right. And it's just a, it's just a target marketing decision that I've made. And it's also because those are the people I can relate to the most. And I honestly feel they're the people I can help the most, you know, when it comes to their training pitfalls or sticking points and so forth, that's where I can help the most. My team can help the most. And usually those people who put training as a top four priority, I'm not totally saying I don't care about people who are coming into the industry because typically these people who put training as a top priority are, are helping or servicing those people who are just coming in because it could be their job. Right. You know, so their job is strength coach, personal trainer and so forth. So we are still touching those people that are coming in, but we're not doing it directly. Yeah, I guess uh, it is a way smaller market. It's a way smaller market. I know that. Which is um, w which is a huge compliment to the success that you've been able to attain, given the fact that it is such a small market. I think it helps with the longevity. I really do. I think when you're in an industry that you can experience dynamic growth um, and and you know just take off like a rock. I don't think we've ever had a year of double digit. 10% might be the highest growth rate I've ever had. You know, we've never had this year that, oh my God, you know, we're, we didn't know what to do. We've always been a, to stay a little bit ahead of the curve without yeah. really freaking out about it, which looking back, it's good, but at times it's frustrating as all hell, you know, because there's so much more you want to do if you had the capital to do it. You know, that's the shitty thing about business. You gotta have the capital to do it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> people seem to forget that sometimes. <laughs> oh, you should do this. Or they think, or if you own a business, they think there's way more capital in there than there really is. Right? There's a big misconception. How, how did you? Oh you, God! How did you even like? I, I know you've been in Parlton for a long time prior to you developing all of these products, but what what was it that like? made you think, okay, we need to add a swing to this bar, or this need this bar needs more flexibility, or if we do it this way, like, what was your process? I'm just really interested. In the beginning, it was more, when I was still competing, it was, well, I need shit I can use, because okay. that was a big problem, you know? So, I mean, some things that you see like band pegs on racks, you know, we were the first to come out with that. 
or a monkey chin bar we were first to come out with that and you know there there were some homemade squat racks that had a sumo squat brace or sumo squat base mm-hmm. but most of them had the base right on the floor and it's like my whole time training it's like this is this sucks you know i would actually have to build a wooden platform to take in the gym to put over the fucking power rack so i could get my feet out just a little bit wider because the goddamn base of the rack was in the way and so in the very beginning a lot of it was kind of out of necessity it's like now if we did this that would help and then with the equipment it was a no-brainer it's like all right with a leg press the, the freaking back has to come up higher you know there's no reason why people's hips should be coming off of it or the pack squat you know it shouldn't hurt your knees you know right. nobody had the adjustable foot plate so a lot of the earlier things were just common sense and because nothing was ever designed for people who were really strong it was designed basically for bodybuilders who were about five six you know it's like okay well let's let's do this and then once i retired and lost range of motion in my shoulder and you know basically slowly become more disabled each year you know then it became more of uh that's where say the yoke bar that's where it became into you know the safety squat bar is great but i can't use it for more than three weeks because the compression on my spine fucks me up mm-hmm. so i need to make a bar that's got a pad that's wider that's got two different thicknesses on the pad you know one to kind of support it from staying off your neck and another one that's going to contour to your upper back so the weight displaced from shoulder to shoulder instead of just five inches above your spine. And two years later, that's where we get, finally came up with the SS yoke bar. And because that's the, all I can squat with, you know, that and a spider bar, but on a weekly basis, I can't, I can't hold regular bar anymore. So it's like shit, you know, it's, I can either squat once every six weeks or I got to figure some way out to fix this stupid pad so I can squat with it every week and not destroy my back more. So that shoulder saver uh, pad that snaps on the bar. Um, you can't hold a board by yourself, you know, and then it just so happens that, you know, as you start using the product more and more, you start to realize that board presses are great for somebody that uses a bench shirt because when they use a bench shirt, the weight displaces throughout the material, throughout the whole shirt which when you pause a bench on a board, the weight displaces throughout the length of the board. That makes sense? Yes. Now, if you're raw and you don't have that shirt, you can't, it's, you can't, that, that weight displacement's gonna screw you up. So what we found with the shoulder saver pad, and this is why we made it rounded, is now when you bring it down, that weight displacement is very, very thin you know, it might be twice the thickness of a normal bar. So you still get the restricted range of motion, but the weight at the bottom isn't displacing throughout the period of the whole bar. And this is shit that comes out after, you know, all I wanted to do was to have something I could bench with that didn't hurt my shoulder. And then you sit back and you know, wait a minute, this also does this and it does this and it does this. And then the more you use it, the more you can kind of refine and go from there. Um, now it's a little bit harder, to be honest. I mean, to come up with ideas, it's just a lot harder. And I don't want to say because we've tapped ourselves out. It's just, I got a lot of shit, 
you know, it's, it's like I have enough stuff that I can train with and do everything that I want to do. It's like, shit, I need to find a different training methodology so I can start figuring out, you know, other things. So the the so you you completely piqued my interest because I've been trying to figure out what to do with the with, with the board press when I don't have a spotter because I most of the time I train in my garage gym. So I'm on your site. You have a red one and a black one. Which one would you recommend for me? The black one's equivalent. It's almost a three board. It's like a two and a half to a okay. three board. It's it's and the the red one is like a two board. Typically, I say the two board. I mean, if somebody's really got lockout problems. Then it's the black. The black one's the first one we came up with because it was just easier to explain to manufacturers what the hell I wanted. And then from there, you know, getting to the other one is. So for know, me, probably the 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 red one. You'd think. The red one. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. And it's a tight fit, so you're gonna have to kind of pound to get it on there. But you know, a, a secret is to actually put kind of put it on the bar and then put a quarter and then just turn it drop it on your bench you know just turn it upside down and let it i'm not saying throw it on your bench but just let it fall three or four inches and the bar will slide right into the pad okay perfect yeah i'd rather it be super tight than loose and fall off in the middle of a (laughs) yeah that's why we made it super super tight (laughs) is so it will last for time you know last longer we are trying to make it out of different material but the people are out of their fucking mind when they price these dude um, seriously i i was i didn't even know you guys sold something like this i i went to go look for like uh something similar to this and there's like board blocks and all these other companies they're charging like 80 90 100 for this crap i'm like it's it's fucking foam and it looks yeah, like they're shit. getting killed on the molding you know that's the thing is and we i think we saw the bench blocks but the problem with that too is the i think that the the weight distribution that I talked about uh-huh. is a little bit too big, and sometimes people will catch a corner. And if oh. you catch a corner, it's, it's it's not a good thing. Um, and I also wanted something that's easy to take on and off because I use it; my training partners don't, so they just pop it off. But we've tried to go with you know silicone and different type of materials, and we'll finally get one that looks good and you know goes on and off a lot easier and. Then we get the price, and I'm like, you can't really. You oh, you're you're you're, you're pricing. Yeah, this is amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, we have, we have manufacturers like, oh yeah, it's only cost you eighty five dollars a piece. I'm like, it's gonna cost us eighty five dollars. You can take a hike, you know. So we, I mean, we're always, and that's another part of business that you gotta figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can find the suppliers, but then it's like, oh my god, you serious? then you gotta start figuring out something that can get it into a price range that somebody will be willing to pay. Agreed. No, I'm with you 100%. I'm so excited about this right now. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I I found, uh, you know, that, that, that my issue had been um, the lockout, but also for the the starting position. I don't know if it's, my shoulder placement isn't where it needs to be. So I, I uh, played with, uh, uh, what is it called? The slingshot for a little bit. That helped a little bit, um, kind of, I guess, because I've heard a lot of people saying that it, it, it really messes with their shoulders or it's pain for them or whatever. For me, I felt like it kind of put my shoulders where it needed to be. And then since since training with it, I, I kind of like memorized the positioning. 
and then again with your advice on 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 the bench um ha- had helped me tremendously because i feel like i wasn't getting enough leg drive and i wasn't far back enough to 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 drive the load um and more of an arch versus a straight up and down because i watched myself like a million times and then i watched videos of you explaining and so but uh so it also sounds to me that you probably might want to lower your weight on dynamic day a little bit because Keep in mind that a lockout issue can also be because you don't have enough speed going into what's called the mini max or the sticking point. So oh. if I was to spot you during a heavy lift mm-hmm. and you push it to right where it gets hard mm-hmm. and you start to strain, but all I did was tap the bar one or two times with my forefinger mm-hmm. and you just locked straight through it. Yeah. I well, what if you went into it just a little faster? That bumps that sticking point up a little bit higher. Oh. Now, the reason why I think. It could be due to the dynamic work. The swing tie didn't help a lot. And that makes, you know, the lockout easier. I and see it, what you're it saying. Makes your, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because it, it does. It, it does. It has that little spring at the end. Yeah, that, it's pushing your triceps up. Is what so lower, lower the weight on the dynamic effort and focus more on really just launching that bar. Yes, because the slingshot's doing the launching for you. You get right. what I'm saying? Yeah. At the bottom, it, that's where it helps. It kind of helps to launch that for you, which is, I don't want to say it's making your starting strength weaker, but it's not helping your starting strength become stronger. Where if you can develop more force in that part before you hit that mini max, that may get rid of your sticking point entirely. I'm not saying get rid of. You know, I look at everything multifaceted. So I look at it from that dynamic perspective. I look at it from a mental perspective, and I look at it from you know a physical perspective. You know, other thing with bench sticking points. If somebody tells me I always miss three quarters of the way up, then I know I'm dealing with a mental issue. You know, because if you're telling me it's always in the same place, well, guess what? You need to start picturing, you know, doing mental rehearsals or whatever you need to do. You know. To get the confidence, so you quit thinking that way. Because what the hell else are you going to think when you lay down and do a heavy weight? You know that you Fuck. always stick three yep. quarters the way up. You know it's just it's there's, natural. It's so true you know, to that. Been, yeah, because when I'm like sitting down, when I'm when I try to like attempt a, a, a heavy lift, and like almost like I suck myself out. But then you know when you that that psycho that psychological thing where you have a spotter behind you and he's just standing behind you. And it's a weight that you think you could do, but you've done it before, maybe, or or but you psych yourself out, and, and and you you have a failed attempt, and then you get a spotter behind you, and they're just standing behind you, that confidence that they're going to get you no matter what, and you lift yeah, it like I it's mean, like it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, let's let's relate it back to to business because I like to flip flop things back and forth. If when you do a a review with an employee, and you you think I hate these things. I'm always anxious when I do them. But then every time you do them, it's like, man, I hate these things. I'm always anxious. Imagine if you went in one time, you're like, man, this is gonna be awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, so you just talk yourself into issues so many times. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Absolutely. Yeah, the 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 psychology, of the mind, your 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 attitude, I think plays plays a huge role. I mean, I know there are days where, like you said, you know, you were saying in the beginning of business um I, I think it was one of your podcasts you were talking about how um 
that the difficulties remain the same or they become they become harder but what you you basically develop this um what is it uh, uh yeah you get a little callous you get a little callous you, know, and you can just handle it yeah better. yeah because there there are days you know, i'm just like i i a problem will arise and like i remember one day i lost three clients in a matter of 48 hours didn't know what the fuck happened and and you know that was about I don't know, like nine, ten thousand dollars worth of retainers, and just mm -hmm. shit my pants, went crazy. Yell, I started yelling at my project manager. This was your job. What did you do? You know, now that that stuff kind of happens, and I'm like, all right, well, let's figure out what went wrong and see if we can get him back. And if not, well, then, all right, we'll do our best. It's experience, I think, is a big part of that, and I do think that. You know, that's where getting around other people, like I said before, if you can get around other people that are at the same level you are, then, and, you know, people that are levels higher, you know, they can kind of help you through that. I remember the first legal issue I had to go through, you know, I had an advisor tell me, you know, this is going to be, it's going to be a fucking nightmare. You're, it's going to be the worst thing that you're ever going to go through. You're going to learn from it. I can try to give you advice, but you're not going to listen, but you'll understand after it's over. And the advice he gave me was, don't fall for the false narrative. You know, don't fall for the stories you tell yourself. And I can remember because this was an issue that went on for a year and a half. You know, so you know, I would get, go ahead. You know, I get a letter from their from their attorneys, and then all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh my god, this is going to happen. This can happen. This can, there are fifty different things that are going through my head of what can happen, and then I'm writing them all down, and I'm doing research, and I'm doing all this shit. Then I speak to our attorneys, we come up with a plan and we fire it back. And then a year later, when it's all said and done, out of the probably 200, 300 different scenarios I played, the solution wasn't one of those. It wasn't, it wasn't as worse as I imagined. Yeah. It wasn't as good as I imagined. So I learned from that, you know what? Fuck it. You know, you, you handle what you can handle when it's in front of you. And then when it's off your hands, like it goes back to the attorneys, I forget about it. You know, it's in their court right now. I got a week where I don't have to worry about this shit. Where before it was like, fuck, I got a week. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, because they always say you got 10 days to reply or whatever. I'm like, this sucks. Make them reply by tomorrow. And now I get it. It's like, fuck, that's 10 days. I don't have to worry about it. Cool. <laughs> yep. No, I think you, know, you, you, you learn, you know. That's a huge, huge lesson. And, and, and I think that can be attributed to all facets of life, whether you own a business or not. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, why stress yourself out? Did, I, I think a lot of it is overthinking. Like, like, like you said, you, you would create like 200 scenarios when you write them down and worst case scenarios and best case scenarios. And I remember doing that. I still, I still fall victim to that sometimes. Like I will literally play a million things in my head. I'm like, fuck, this is. Here's the thing where I think people go, you know, I'm glad you said that. Cause I think it's the thing where people really get confused because I do as well. I mean, we all do. Yeah, we, we all are, are victims of our own, basically, demise. But <laughs> if you have awareness, you know what I'm saying? So you start writing that stuff down and you're aware at some point in time, you're going to say to yourself, what the fuck am I doing? Then you'll stop and you'll get up and walk away. You know, because you realize this is not going to happen.
never going to go away, but you have all those paranoid thoughts. You have to say, okay, stop. You know, mentally, just stop. Get the fuck out of here. Go do something else. Come back later. You know, and remove yourself. And I think that's the big thing. Because that's, and it's, that's what took me the longest time to learn in business that I always knew in the gym. Because if you go to a max weight and you're not ready for it, you're not going to still try it. Nope. You're going to say, fuck it, not right now. I'm not ready. You're going to step back until you have that focus. Then you're going to address it. And it, I could not put that together in business for God, probably 15 years, I bet. That literally, that just woke me the fuck up. That is, that makes so much sense to me. That, that oh God, like that was like, you know, you ever have one of those <laughs> moments where you're just like a fucking light bulb just hit you? That's so true. <laughs> You're gonna if you go try to attempt a PR and you can't fucking lift that shit. You attempt to do it. You're trying to pull, let's say, a 600 pound deadlift. I'm like pulling, like, nope, this isn't happening. I'm gonna end right here and I'll and I'll try again later. You don't do that. You don't think about that in business or in life. Like, oh, I'm just not gonna do it right now. We'll figure it out. Or I'm just not gonna think about that right now. We can figure it out later. It's such a it's such a revelation, but it's so simple. You know, it's the ex- it is very simple. Here's the fucked up thing about it is. In the gym, or say, let's say you're doing a meet, and a meet, you're on, you're on a time. It's like you got, you got two minutes to get your shit together to be able to try this. You know, in business, there's no timer. You know what I'm saying? You can step back a day. You know, let me just figure this out, sleep on it, come back the next day, and come back. You know, that's that's what makes it even crazier is because mentally in business, people will put a timer on themselves that doesn't need to be there. You know where. You know, in, in the gym, it's completely different. You know, and the other thing too with that, I tell my lifters a lot of times is, especially in meat situations when the stress is really high, and you know the stress is going to be high. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, it always falls back on control what you control, don't worry about what you can't control, all those kind of things. Is if they're getting ready for a max lift. And I see that there, there's doubt. You know, you can see in their eyes. And I, I, I train. I don't do online training. I work with people in person for a reason. Mm-hmm. I need to know their nonverbals. I have to. 65% of everything that I do, if not more, with them as far as pivoting and program adjustments and all that, is based upon their nonverbals. It's not what I see in a video or a piece of paper. It's just how they walk in, how they move, how they interact, how they talk, all the other kind of stuff. But if I see it's a little bit off, then I'll remind them that all you have to do is as soon as you're called to the bar, don't fuck up the next 12 seconds. That's it. Just don't fuck up. You know, so if you're wrapped or whatever it is, yep. just for the next 12 seconds. Now, how hard is it to just not fuck up 12 seconds? You know, put everything else out of your mind. It doesn't matter right now. Just don't fuck up for 12 seconds. And that could be somebody making a, a sales call. And they know the call is going to be one to five minutes. You know what? Just for five minutes, don't fuck up. Can you go for five minutes and not fuck up? This more manageable space in their head. Like, yeah, I can do five minutes and not fuck up. Don't ask me to not fuck up for a whole day. <laughs> five minutes? Oh, yeah. yeah. I can do that. You know, and, and with a lift, 12 seconds? Are you serious? Of course I can be, you know, mentally set for 12 seconds. 
Does it ever psych people out? Like, oh fuck. Like, hmm. I, I don't know if I can do it. It's this. always relaxed them. Oh, that's it's good. always relaxed them because it's like, you know, I can control 12 seconds. You know, they, now they still may have doubt, but all they have to do is for that 12 seconds not have doubt. Because it's you can a per- doubt it all you want yeah. until you stand up. Then that shit has to go away just for 10 seconds. <laughs> it's that overall usually, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and I, you know, I can reaffirm and say, look, your training cycle went well, your deload went well, your your nutrition yesterday went well, you've got all your weight back on, everything's gone right to put you in the position that you're in right now to make this lift. Nothing's went haywire. That's you know, and you know, as as a good coach and as a good lifter, you're not going to put them in a position to do something that they can't do. Right. You know, so it's all, all the cards have lined up for you to be able to do this. The only thing that's kind of standing in the way is your own doubt. So just get rid of that for eight seconds. You know, and typically they do. And I think that's the number one contributor. I mean, the, again, this all, everything that you're saying, because it goes back to your mantra, what applies at the gym can apply in real life, everything you've learned there. And I think that with, with anything in life, you putting them in a position where, okay, these next eight to 12 seconds, don't mess it up, don't fuck it up, you're gonna be good, you're gonna hit it, whatever, whatever. But after that 12 seconds, it's on you, whatever the case may be. I think segmenting things like that, you know, whether it be a sales call, whether it be a marketing call, whether it be, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, like a like a interview or whatever the case may be, um, you're absolutely right. If you can almost like set a time limit i feel like the 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 psyche you know you you it's like it's triggered like okay i i can do this for two minutes i can do this for five minutes it's such a huge lesson and i think we undervalue the 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 power of the mind i think a lot of times you know what what separates people that do shit and execute on shit versus the people that sit there and twiddle their thumbs all day long playing the victim woe is me all that bullshit is 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 the strength of their will and the strength and the power of their mind. And I truly believe that. And I think, you know, you can agree with me and attest on this as well. You know, going transitioning, I know we got to get you off the phone here. I did want to ask you one last thing. I think it's incredible how you say that you do not do any online training because there's so many visuals that that take place in the um, as being coached by someone. And I and I agree with you. I'm 100 percent believer in that there's just such a significance and being trained person to person you can see everything that they're doing they're like you said whether they have doubt on their face whether they're just not there you know verbal cues visual cues things like that what would you say like we're we're and and no disrespect to anybody out there doing this in life and what have you this is their their you know as their career but what would you say like as far as the fitness industry the strength industry in particular right now like, what is your i guess what is your opinion on it like where where do you think we're at do you think we're better than we were 10 years ago or was it better 10 years ago and what what do you think about that so, uh, the one thing is um i should kind of step back for a second and say that you know the the lifters that i work with i do not charge it's fun for me you know so it's a small group of people and i don't work with any i want to make people get them to their elite total 
you know, and then when I work with them, my main objective in working with them is to get them to be able to teach other people how to do what I'm teaching them. So, okay, that's that's a that's a big part of that. You're not charging for the services. No, no, and I never will because I want to be able to get rid of the people who aren't taking it serious. You know, because I'm I'm putting a lot of time into that. You know, and. You know, if I was to go back and charge them what I used to charge as a personal trainer 20 years ago, that's over four grand a month. And but I'm okay with that because it's 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 fun for me. It's a re, it's 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 getting my head out of business. It's, I think you got to be able to get your head in a different spaces just to be able to remove yourself from certain areas. You know, I got to be able to remove myself from my family to be able to be a better husband and father, and you know, so forth. And I need to remove myself from business to be a better leader for my staff and all that kind of stuff. But as far as the industry goes, I've never considered us to be part of the fitness industry. I look at it as we're part of a strength industry, and that's it. And the reason for that is, and that's going back to, you know, the the target demographic. You know, people put training as their top four priorities, and that's because I've always seen the fitness industry since I was in high school. Is I don't like it. You know, let's just put it that way. It's like、mm-hmm. the three worst industries in the world, right?、Mm-hmm. Are porn, Wall Street, and the fitness industry. Agreed. Porn, you see people getting fucked. Wall Street, you expect you're going to get fucked. In the fitness industry, you don't know you're getting fucked until you just got fucked. <laughs> All right. You need to write、and、that shit down. So, that is a fucking awesome <laughs> quote. Dave, Dave. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take those. I'm gonna transcribe that shit. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how I've always seen it because, and it's, it's not. I, you know, I don't want to stereotype. You know, the entire industry because there are good people in it. I've met good people in it. But the majority of the people in it are the ones that just want to try to cash out. Yeah. The only thing that they want to do is to make money. Now I came into the business that I'm in now, and you know the the industry that I'm in now because it changed my life. I mean. Universities to help train people. They were the guys in a gym that would walk up to kids and show them how to do exercises right, or teach them how to go into powerlifting. You know, so they were kind of laying the foundations and they were planting the seeds, right?、Mm-hmm. And today, what we have is we have a bunch of people who are, you know, living in the park. That has the grass and the trees and the bushes and all those, the harvest of all the seeds those guys planted. Those guys planted the seeds that created something called a personal trainer. 
that created something called a strength and conditioning coach that created you know this online training profession like all these professions that these people have now that they can actually make income from are based on the seeds that were planted by people who were doing this all for free 30 40 years ago so what's happening today is the industry they don't want to they don't want to plant seeds or if they do they throw some down they might water it a couple of times and say what the fuck you know nothing's growing but then they get frustrated because nothing's growing because they expect that they're going to reap their own harvest but that's not how it goes you know they're planting the seeds for the generations that's two or three generations behind my my kids you know my kids kids you know, so you're supposed to be planting the seeds to be able to provide a better environment for them, the future generations, to be able to work in that is this fitness strength industry. But instead, they're lying, they're laying concrete because they want to be able to throw a ball down and have it bounce right back to them. Like, like a basketball. Like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm willing to give throw the basketball down, have it bounce right back in their hands. But that's not how the universe works. The universe works like they throw the basketball as far away from them as they possibly can and nothing comes back. Right? That's mm -hmm. how the universe works. And when I have conversations with people who are frustrated and who are upset because they're just tired of helping people for free or nobody understands the value of their time or this and this and this and this. <clears throat> I sit there and tell them because to me it just it just it amazes me. It's like I've sat in my weight room and done business mentorships with people who wanted to set up gyms, spent eight hours, you know, multiple times speaking with them on what they should do, the demographics, how to market, how to lay the gym out, you know, just kind of guiding them so they have a little bit clearer vision. And then five months later, find out they bought all their shit from somebody else. Jeez. Now these people, these people want to tell me that they're upset because they keep offering tips to somebody in the like, gym, but that person will never sign up for their personal training. And they want to tell that to me seriously. When I'm talking about a half a million dollar deal that kind of fell through. Mm -hmm. But see, the thing is, I don't get upset anymore about that half a million dollar deal or that any of those big deals. Because what I realized a long time ago is when I throw that ball out into the universe, a lot of little balls come back that I don't even see. We have hundreds of orders that come in per day. And I would say 90% of those are from people I've never personally spoken to. They're not people that sat out here in the weight room. Those are coming back to me because of what I've put out to the universe. That's what I think people forget. I think that is the perfect way to end this podcast. That is incredible. The, the model of reciprocity, you know, no expectation, humility, I wish more of what you believed in existed in this world, but you know, we live in a world where we sell information for money or we trade knowledge for money. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I mean, I'm guilty as ever. I, I, well, uh, I mean, you still have, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, 
this is still how people earn money. I mean, you can't sit there and say every attorney is going to have to give away all right. the services for free. I get you it, know, but it, even it, if you can like divulge a, per, a percentage, right? Like, I'll get people yeah. sending me messages on Facebook, on Instagram, like, how do I get 10,000 followers? How I can do this? How can I get better social media management? How can I generate leads for free on my business? And like, I respond, like I don't, I respond to almost everybody, unless it's like spam, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can always link an article, you know, that, and that's helping people, man. It's, I'm really, I've re I reply to every DM on Instagram I get. You know, Facebook, you know, that's kind of spammed out. Twitter is spammed out. But Instagram for now is still a good platform for this. You know, it's, I'll never let a DM go unanswered, you know, and there's no such thing as a stupid DM because it may be the, you know, thousandth time that I've got that question, but it's the first time this person's asked me. Right. And they decided to ask me instead of Google. Now, fucking, what kind of, you know, what kind of honor is that? Absolutely. You know, they value my opinion more than Google and I'm going to blow them off. I don't understand that. But... You know, they, they, they do, and I do understand where people come from, where, you know, of course I can't send somebody a whole program and I can't spend all day long answering somebody's question. I mean, there comes a point where the person on the other end most definitely is taking advantage. But, you know, that's where article links come in and, you know, it's, they're, they're, you can still help, but you can still, and anybody that does this long enough kind of knows how to shut it down, you know, when it gets to that point. Or, the, as I said before, the people who are answering asking me to mentor them on their business when they've never supported us in any way. I have no problem calling them out on that. Like, no, nah, I really can't do that because I'm too busy helping the people who did support us. You know, so there, there are, there's, there's a lot of cap dancing around, you know, to be able to do it. But, you know, people need to understand that we are human and we, we are put on this earth to be able to help and give back and, and, and to, you know, help future generations become better than we are. Absolutely. I mean, look what you just did recently. You you gave away a basic conjugate uh, training manual, the bench manual, the vault ebook. It's 200 freaking pages, right? Like, it's, it, you know, it. you may not be able to customize the program specifically and take all the time in the world for these people that are maybe asking too much of you, but you've got so much content out there in the internet land that I mean if people took the time to do a little bit of research or or if they're pointed in the right direction I mean you have so many articles on your website it is un oh yeah I mean that's unparalleled. the thing is you know if, if people are new to the industry and they want to build their name into the industry there's I've been putting content out since 19 oh man before 90 so it's like 1996 I mean before I mean, the internet was there, but I mean, before social media, before all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, as long as you're always putting your content out and you're always now with social media, I think you should kind of back up anything that you put it out someplace else, because let's say Instagram dies and you got 500 micro blogs on Instagram. Well, you yeah. just, you can't repurpose that anymore. Right. But, you know, the more content somebody puts out, the more you're able to help people, but the more you're able to say, you know what, I already wrote about this. So for me to answer 50 DMs a day is easy because I already have a whole list of links that all I have to do is copy and paste a link and say, here you go. You know, and it's, it's, it's simple because the, the groundwork's already kind of been done. Which, which, by the way, I really love that you do that 
like the, the fact that you take I don't know how long it takes you to do that two three four hours of your time to sit there and literally answer every single question on Instagram when you say ask me something a little poll mm-hmm. that that's incredible man that's just not many people do that or will do that nor will they spend that amount of time to do that and and, and, and I, I hope you know that's okay you know that's okay I just if I can be an example to the one or two other people who are going to do the same thing right and that's what I was about to say yeah. my purpose you know that's that's all I'm trying to do yeah well Dave thank you so so much for for taking an hour and 20 minutes of your time hour and a half um I hope you're okay with me promoting this. I will be probably running yeah. some some paid advertising to promote this and 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 get this out in the land of the digital. And uh, yeah, I mean, gonna, let me know and I can I can push it myself. So great, yeah, I will. Uh, up, fire them out. Yeah, I'll edit it. I'll have my guys edit it and I'll send you um, the the file and and uh, if if you like if you use trans transcription, I can get it transcribed for you and I'll send you that as well and then. Uh, um, you could do whatever you want and um, yeah, I'll yeah that'd you know. be great if you have access to the transcription that would be great I do yeah yeah okay cool we could definitely yeah. do that well thank you so much Dave man I, I so appreciate it I'll stay in touch with you on, on Instagram for sure alright let me know how your bench goes I will thanks brother I appreciate it okay bye bye